are we captivated? Are we captivated with Jesus Christ? Melinda well, sang that so well, but the we appreciate the beauty of her voice. But let's be sure that we hear the impact of the words. Are our lives captivated on Christ, focused on Him, fixed on Him? Is that where our attention is? Open up your books. We're at 169. And if you are using an electronic Bible we'll be, or a physical one, we'll be mostly in Matthew chapter 23. Today's message addresses the character qualities of spiritual leaders. Matthew chapter 23 really focuses on Jesus condemning the Jewish religious leaders. This was Jesus' final public sermon. Realize that, you know, the whole, the periscope has come in or the, and the microscope. We've looked at Jesus in a wide angle lens. Now the Bible slows down, doesn't it? And this last week of Jesus' life gets a lot of close attention. This message, there's a little debate among authorities, but because it's not explicit in the text, but this message is likely spoken in the temple or up at the Temple Mount on Wednesday of the Feast of Unleavened Bread, sometimes referred to by us particularly as Passover week, although Passover was a meal on Thursday night. And this is nearing the end of a long and a grueling day of teaching and confrontation. You know, if you've ever been embattled, you know how wearisome it is. And Jesus had people attacking him, trying to trick and trap him all the time, particularly these religious leaders. Take out your message guide, if you haven't already, which includes your outline. And you'll see that the verse I've chosen as the theme verse from this passage is don't do what they do because they don't do what they say. And of course, it's referring to the hypocrisy of these religious leaders. Both the Old and the New Testament contain numerous warnings against false teachers, against people who were pretending to represent God, but actually representing themselves, speaking their own ideas to further their own interests. Sometimes it can be a little hard to discern when that's happening. When people throw God's name around, we can kind of get caught up in that, can't we? And it can be difficult to pierce through it. Our passage begins, as I said, with Matthew 23, verse 1, and of course some from Luke 20 as well. Then the Lord spoke to the crowds and to his disciples, beware of the scribes who want to go around in long robes, who love greetings in the marketplaces, the front seats in the synagogues, and the places of honor at banquets. 
Now, you've heard this scribes and Pharisees a lot, but who were these scribes? Now, remember, how many temples were there in the land? Come on, y'all, it's 930. (laughs) One temple located in what city? Jerusalem. But there were many synagogues throughout the land. So these scribes served in various synagogues, as well as, of course, at the temple. And these men were responsible for copying and preserving, but also teaching and interpreting God's law. Now, Jesus warned his followers about these men who were not true spiritual leaders. It's interesting, isn't it, that in his last public sermon, he warns of false teaching. You would think he could, would talk about how to be born again or something, right? And he, but he warns, be careful what you're hearing and who you're hearing it from. In this passage, Jesus points out essentials for spiritual leadership. Now, obviously, these qualities apply to every pastor but also other spiritual teachers and and truly anyone who is providing spiritual guidance to others. And this would certainly include every parent, or it should. If parents want their children to receive and follow Jesus Christ, then their lives must give credibility to their claim of Christian faith. The first essential for true spiritual leadership is authority. True spiritual leaders must receive authority. From whom? From God only. Matthew 23. The scribes and the Pharisees are seated in the chair of Moses. Now Moses was the supreme lawgiver. The the law was given through Moses by God on Mount Sinai. He was God's spokesman to Israel. So sitting in Moses' chair, which is a a teaching position, you know, you have the, the chair of philosophy in colleges. And it was a esteemed position where a person of great authority would speak. But sitting in Moses' chair meant that that person spoke for God with God's authority. Now, the scribes and the Pharisees asserted this authority, but it wasn't given to them by God. They claimed it for themselves. Now, who were these Pharisees? Well, understand this. Remember, in this this nation, the spiritual, the religious, and the political world are one. So, the Pharisees were a, a political party but also a religious and a social party. So they had opinions on how people should act. They had opinions on who should be in power. They had opinions on everything. 
you know, in our nation, how far apart Republicans and Democrats were, are. Well, there's, and, and they stand for all kinds of social and political things, and even some spiritual things, quite honestly. But these Pharisees, and there were some other parties, you know what they were? Sadducees, Herodians, Essenes, and Zealots. All these are political parties, and people have a, they have a different persuasion about various matters, beginning with religious ones, but also social and political ideas. So, so the Pharisees, they were, about, they were the largest party. They were the most influential party. There was about 6,000 of them at Jesus' day. And many of the Pharisees were also scribes, but not all of them. Some Sadducees were scribes as well. Pharisees were regarded by the masses and they regarded themselves as authorities in Jewish law. That included what was written in Scripture, but unfortunately, it also included their own oral supplementary traditions. And those traditions were teaching about how to avoid violating the law, even by ignorance or accident. So the Pharisees had hundreds of specific restrictions, again, called traditions, and they considered them equally inspired as the Scripture. They considered them authoritative as the law. They even asserted that they came from Moses, but they didn't. And Jesus didn't consider them authoritative. The scribes and Pharisees demanded, you see, that the Jewish people obey their rules and regulations, not merely God's. And what happened with that was it... Their rules and regulations actually obscured God's truth and perverted God's righteousness, and they did it for their own selfish purposes. You see how this is developing? Now, the people noticed that Jesus spoke with authority. His words sounded true. He, he seemed to have familiarity with God and to really know the word. But the teaching of the scribes and Pharisees sounded somewhat artificial. You know what I'm talking about? You know how somebody tries to talk about the Bible and it's all clumsy in their hands? That's when I see somebody at the mall or something and they say, oh, you're very inspirational. I'm thinking, well, one, you don't really know me, but something's missing. But you could just, see, you can feel it. You know what I'm talking about? Your spirit discerns. And so when the scribes and Pharisees spoke, it was kind of awkward. It didn't sound true or genuine to the people. Which is why Jesus was a threat to those very religious leaders. You see, false spiritual leaders even today, offer their own ideas and opinions as authoritative. You know what I'm saying? Some, sometimes you'll hear preaching in a, in a church or on television or something, and you go, 
well, where in the world does that come from? There's this whole collection of doctrine, and I can't find any basis for it in the Scripture. And it's just like the scribes and Pharisees. You see, any time extra rules are added to the Bible, then the Bible's true message and meaning is obscured. How many of y'all grew up Baptist or, or Pentecostal or something like that? Well, you were told not to dance, weren't you? And I was at a wedding last night, and some of you shouldn't have. <laughs> but, but do you understand what happened? See, those of us that grew up, and it was don't dance, don't drink, don't smoke. Suddenly, don't wear short dress, you know what I'm saying, all that stuff. No makeup, depending on how extreme your environment was. That became the substance of faith, but it put a block between you and really discerning the nature of God because you were always wondering, is my dress long enough? Do I have on too much makeup? Did, did my twitching look like a dance so somebody's going to accuse me of something? You see my point? True spiritual leaders... Pastors, teachers, parents must never rely on their own thoughts and ideas. They shouldn't try to use personal charisma or, or, or personality or, or persuasiveness because it blunts the word. Everything that we teach, whether it's me or any of the other pastors on this stage or any person, in the classes, upstairs, anywhere, must be based on God's Word found in the Bible. And that includes both the message and the method. Because God's work must always be done in God's way. That's why, you know, some, I don't always do it well, but I hope that you understand that my intent. But, but when, I, when I tell you this is my idea, I want you to know that. Because then you can be like the Bereans in Acts 17, 11, and go back and see whether you think my opinion is valid. But it's only my opinion. It's never controlling of you or your life. See, the real fundamental reason why we're studying the life of Jesus is so all of us would know the author and finisher of our faith so that we would see him as the Bible displays him and that we could scrape away some of these preferences and opinions that have attached to Jesus Christ. Is that fair? Since you've been reading, has anybody seen where they have misunderstood Jesus? Let me see a hand. Yeah, that's, that's good because we get back to the biblical. See, not the, not the sentimental, not the personal view, 
but the biblical view. He's quite a stronger man than some of us imagined, isn't he? When you really read it. So here's a question as we begin. Do you know God's word well enough to detect when you hear teaching that is not biblical? Do you? Because if you don't, you're, you're in a risky place. Another essential for true spiritual leadership is integrity. True spiritual leaders' lives and teaching must be characterized by integrity, which of course means honesty, truth, authenticity. And it's interesting what he says next. It's sort of surprising in one sense. 23 verse 3, the first part. Therefore, do and observe whatever they tell you. Who is they? That, is that verse surprising to you? What do you think, Darren? Is that surprising to you? Jesus told these people, these followers, to obey whatever these scribes and Pharisees said. If it conformed to Scripture. Well, why would he tell them to do, listen to anything? Who has that question? Come on now. I must be in left field. When you read this, why, did, didn't you see that? Well, why would he tell them to observe what these guys who he's been saying terrible things about, why would he tell them to follow it? Now, does anybody have a question about that? Here's why. Here's why. See, we are so human-centric. And we're so messenger-focused. Jesus wasn't. Jesus was God-centric and word-focused. And, and God honors and blesses his authoritative word even if it's spoken by a false or dishonest teacher. Or like David said last week, two weeks ago, by a donkey. I'd say by a jackass. <laughs> you, you see what I'm saying? Because we get confused. We say, well, well, look at this. He has all these people and he's making all this money and he's writing all these books. Then he must have God's blessing. Why? Why? Do you, why? God blesses his word, Yes. But that's something wrong with us if we are attributing that to another human. That's why it shouldn't matter which person is on this stage delivering the message as long as the message is accurate and it's been studied out carefully. Does that make sense? You agree with that, Paula? Many of the scribes and Pharisees' man-made traditions actually contradicted God's law. For example, all these rules about the Sabbath, you can't... The, the, the Sabbath law is given by God meant don't go to work every day. Take a day away from your ordinary work. It didn't mean you can't lift a bucket from the ground. It didn't mean you can't take a, a you know, 
grains from the head of a stalk of wheat and eat them and call that threshing. So the reason they were always just rebuking the people was based on their oral traditions, not a true understanding of God's word. You see, you're getting this? And so these man-made traditions, where did, where did, what, where did they focus the people's attention? Yeah, not on God's word, on their traditions, which led people away from God rather than to him. Verse 3b, now here's a passage that you could expect. But don't do what they do because they don't do what they say. See what I'm saying? He said follow what they say. That is, if it's according to Scripture. But don't copy their lives. Well, give me another uh, uh, more uh, common understanding of this verse. What do we say in our culture? Yeah, they don't, they don't practice what they preach. And in some translations, that's what appears. And this is the origin of that phrase. Many of these phrases that we say in our culture come from the Scripture. I've, you hear them in movies, you hear them on TV. I don't know if the, if the actors or the writers know that they're biblical, but they're biblical truth that's permeated into our culture. But this is, they don't practice what they preach. See, these, these false religious teachers were, were in many cases declaring God's word truly. But they were ignoring it in their personal lives. I mean, the Sermon on the Mount is all about that. Because the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus re-explaining what it means to murder or fornication or adultery. or You, you see what I'm saying? True, truly. But the Pharisees had created all these little rules around it. And Jesus said, oh, no, no, you're missing, you're missing the, the intent and purpose of the Sermon on the Mount. Because these men were living according to their opinions and not God's law. And that's in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Particularly in 5. See, here's the point. The lives of spiritual leaders should be open for inspection. Doesn't mean that spiritual leaders are perfect, but, but you see what I'm saying? It should be open to inspection. Because the word's not true. If the word's not true in my life, why should you take it as true from my mouth? Doesn't mean perfection, but it sure does mean progression and pursuit. You see what I'm saying? Because you should be able to look at any teacher's lives. And, and children, whether you know it or not, they're always looking at your life, parent, to see if what you're saying is true. But it's fair for you to look at my life. Not a per I'm not holding up a perfect life. Please hear me clearly. But it's fair to know what I drive, how I live, where I live, how I treat 
serve his people, how I treat my children, how I speak to my wife. That's fair. I'm not claiming perfection, okay? Everybody, please, give me a little grace. But it's fair for you to inspect. You see? So this invitation, though, is to examine, not, not scrutinize, criticize, find something wrong with, which you certainly can do, not create impossible standards. But here's the thing, y'all. And I don't, our culture is slipping on this thing. Spiritual leaders should be Christ-like, not clever and slick and bombastic and certainly not arrogant. And I'm afraid there's a blur between what a spiritual leader's behavior and life ought to be and what some other celebrities' life and behavior is. Is that fair? And so I, I challenge you, particularly you parents, do you know the life and character of the people that are leading your children all over this campus? That matters. That, ma- that matters. And the lesson is the life. I mean, one, one leader may be funnier than another or something like that, but the question is, what is the content of the life Because that's the lesson your children are hearing loud and clear. You know how I've told you all about infants? I don't mind infants coming in here. Now, I know some of y'all thinking, I wish he'd quit saying that. I got this infant yelling in my ear. But here, I want you, because of this, because you see what? An infant experiences whether he or she is loved and nurtured in, in this environment. Don't you want your children, when they come to the place of understanding, know they're always welcome? They're always embraced? Not, keep that kid out here. He might cry. That doesn't make any sense to me. It's also necessary for a true spiritual leader to show compassion. A true spiritual leader shows kindness, understanding, sympathy, and concern for the people he or she is attempting to lead. They, the scribes and Pharisees, they tie up heavy loads that are hard to carry and put them on people's shoulders. But they themselves aren't willing to lift a finger to move them. Now, Jesus is comparing, he may have even pointed But he's comparing false religious leaders' treatment of people with the way some people treated, actually mistreated, their animals. You know, it may be that he's standing there and and, and someone with an overloaded donkey walked by. And, you know, we've all seen these pictures. Some owners overloaded their animals. You've seen pictures. Camels or donkeys And then they walked beside the animals without carrying a thing. Except maybe a stick they were using to beat the animal. When the animal exhausted and stopped walking. And Jesus is asserting that the scribes and Pharisees treated fellow Jews that way. Because they put these heavy, heavy loads of religious regulations 
the rules, all the rituals on them until they were just, just unbearable and impossible to obey because they wouldn't even know them. Have you ever gone to work somewhere and you didn't even know what the rules were and, and, and you were almost scared to death to act? Anybody ever had that experience? Well, imagine these Jews. The people who supposedly know what the rules are are putting all these rules on them. They don't even know what the rules are. They can't keep them straight. They can't remember them. And they're not being explained. They're just being criticized and castigated when they violate some rule they didn't even know existed. When they fail to keep the requirements... Especially these hundreds of oral traditions. They were criticized and rebuked. And they were called unrighteous. They were, they were scolded as being unacceptable to God. See, the Jews taught that it was only by good works that they could please God. It's not what the scripture teaches, even the Old Testament. God makes promises. Now, he expects back obedience in relationship. That's very different, isn't it? But imagine, you know, if you were one of these Jews, how would you feel all the time? Give me an emotion. Scared. Frustrated. Insecure with God it's a bad place to be isn't it but the religious leaders took that insecurity that fear and they used it to dominate they used it to manipulate they used it to control you want to find a false religion or a false leader find the place where the people are being subjugated, dominated, manipulated with fear, I'll promise you what you're seeing is false. The scribes and Pharisees offered the people no help, no encouragement, no reassurance in their attempt to please God. See, Jesus brought a good news that would take away sin, not just point it out. He, 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 he came to lift people's burdens, not just add to them. But you see, the scribes and Pharisees, they had no interest in God's grace or in forgiveness or in mercy. Because those divine provisions didn't require human merit or good works. And these men, they didn't think they needed God's grace. You see what I'm saying? That would be insulting to tell them they needed to be forgiven of anything. And they didn't want grace preached to anybody else. Because that liberating truth undercut their control. And, and without that system of works righteousness, they couldn't hold people in subjugation to their authority. Y'all feeling this yet? 
Because we've wondered, well, why does Jesus dislike these Pharisees so much? Here's why. You see, the scribes and Pharisees didn't love God or his people. And they didn't even love his scripture. Because they used it as a paddle, as a club, as a stick. They used God and people and the scripture to enhance their position of authority. It's like me saying, well, none of y'all can understand the Bible. You, gotta, you have to listen to me. You see that? Their prestige, their power. Religious leaders today are false if they use people to build personal fame and finances. They're fleecing those they pretend to serve. It's amazing. People almost want you to manipulate them in spiritual environments. Have you noticed that? Well, God said. I can tell, you know, some people just swallow that up. Now, thankfully, a lot of you will say, you've lost your mind. You need to go take a pill or something. You've, you've lost. But I can say, God, the Great Commission says that Perry Duggar's face needs to be in every major city in the land. See, y'all are laughing. Look at this face. It's bad enough in this room. But you see how you can get caught up in that. Oh, no, it's about the Great Commission. Oh, no, it's about the good news. Oh, no. When really, it'd be about me. But see, you have to see that. You know what? And if I get out of line, it's okay to say, hey, man, you, you, what did you eat last night? You're, you're off somewhere. You know what I'm saying? That's called being part of a covenant family. A true spiritual leader must display humility. This is the final one. True spiritual leaders are characterized by humility, unlike these scribes and Pharisees who displayed shameless pride. They do everything to be observed by others. Wow, that's a pretty powerful statement, isn't it? These religious leaders live to impress people, not to please God. They enlarge their phylacteries and lengthen their tassels. Okay, phylacteries are little small square black boxes. And they're worn at morning prayer by men, not by women, only by men, that contain copies of Exodus 13.9, Exodus 13.6, Deuteronomy 6.8, and Deuteronomy 11.18. Now, the, the ancient Jews understood that the commands were symbolic of God's law controlling what they did, their hands, and what they thought, their heads. Over time, though, many Jews started considering those statements literal. You see, you see how we have this tendency to move something into the physical world when it's a spiritual principle 
be modest. Okay, that's a spiritual principle. How, how long's your skirt? Anna, your hair looks too enticing. And so these things became a means of displaying their righteousness. Started about 400 B.C. Now, the tassels were cords that, that in, the, in the law were supposed to be at the corners of a men's garments, according to Numbers 15, 38 and 40. Today, tassels are worn on prayer shawls, mostly. But understand this, the purpose of phylacteries and tassels wasn't to impress people. It was to remind the people of God and his word. And it was to set them apart that they belong to God. It's the same reason that some of us wear crosses, right? I remember, remember it was some of you, now it's been a, goodness, decades ago. The cross became jewelry. And I remember I was asking this wild looking woman one time. She had these crosses. I said, are you a believer? And she goes, what? Are, are, you, are you a Christian? I mean, you got lots of crosses. No, man, I just like them. I just like the jewelry. Pharisees wore phylacteries that were larger, though, see? So, like, the boxes are usually very small. But the, I don't know how big the Pharisees were, but they had these big ones so everyone could see them. And instead of short tassels, they had these long tassels so everyone would be able to catch a glimpse of it. And they didn't just wear them for morning prayer. They wore them all day. Walked around as a sign of their superior spirituality. They were given to call attention to God and his word, but the scribes and the Pharisees used them to call attention to themselves. Verse 6. They loved the place of honor at banquets, the front seats in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplace, and to be called rabbi by people. These false religious leaders love to be acknowledged publicly. In our culture, they want to be on TV. And they love this title of rabbi. Now, the truth is, in Latin, the word rabbi, this, that from which rabbi comes, is just, it means teacher. It's really the word that we also get doctor from. But in Jesus' day, it had taken this extra notion of, of supreme one, most knowledgeable, exalted, great one. And then he says, but as for you, don't be called rabbi. Because you have one teacher and you are all brothers. You know what? There's only one true teacher. There's only one true teacher. There's only one source of divine truth, and that's Jesus. And any, any speaker, teacher, Bible study leader, book writer is merely a person who's attempting to communicate the truth of God clearly. 
and they're communicating it to, to their equals, to brothers, to sisters. See, unfortunately, in our culture, we exalt people with, with more public gifts, and we overlook people with more private gifts, serving or mercy. That's, that's, be, that's insecurity in us, see? Because we don't understand that God gifts us differently. And he values each gift and probably the unseen ones the most. You see what I'm saying? And we think, oh, if I could only get on that stage. If I could only show you what I could do. That's human. That's not spiritual. That's not God. Human spiritual leaders in Jesus' day, but today, aren't the source of truth, which is God's word. And neither are human leaders the source of illumination. That's only God's spirit. So see, if we, if we make celebrities out of human preachers and teachers and musicians and vocalists, do we understand how gifts are given and have we caught a glimpse of Jesus? Why would we be so impressed with other people if we really know him? Is that fair? Doesn't mean you don't appreciate people and, and, and value them and all that for their gifts. Verse 9, do not call anyone on earth your father because you have one father who is in heaven. You see, God's our spiritual father. Only he is the source of spiritual life and blessing. And do not be called masters. It could be translated teacher, leader, or guide from the Greek word. Because you have one master, the Messiah. See, only Jesus. You know, folks, I hope that we'll all spend a whole lot more time and the reason that we're reading through this, the New Testament, is because we need to be taught by Christ. And let, let's, let's sometimes put down some of these devotional books and Bible studies and all these gifted teachers and lecturers. Because we can miss Christ by being so impressed by people. But what we need to know is Christ and His Word. See, the most that any human, whether it's David or me, and I'm sure he's above me probably but we're we're under shepherds at our highest which means we're kind of obscure people who are helping Jesus lead now that's the highest compliment you could give any of us or any other human leader because you see as it says in 11 the greatest among you will be your servant And whoever exalts himself will be humbled. And whoever humbles himself, she's the one that will be exalted. Do we believe that? Do we believe that? If we believe it, that our recognition comes from God, not from people. That our desire should be to please God, not the folks around us. Our behavior will show it. The counselors will be here. 
to pray with you, to talk with you, to anoint you with oil for healing. As I say, we have, we have seen healing, but not every time. But if you, if you are struggling physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, they, they're here to help, and they would love to talk with you. Father, how we thank you for your word. But God, by your spirit, make it sink in us and transform us so that it, it changes who we are and makes us less like our human selves and more like the person you rebirthed us to become. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for coming.